Wednesday, November 29th, from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. This hour of Flames Talks underway with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. This hour of Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. But very significantly, after I never thought I'd ever see him again, Aaron Vickers has returned to Flames Talk. It is good to see you, buddy. I'm a little upset. I'm not even going to lie. I thought Cam would have had the applause button hit, fired up, standing ovation. No. Nothing over there. It's good to be back, Patrick. It I is missed good you. good to be back. You get, uh, you get an applause from me. That's really what I was fishing for. Anything else is just over the top. But you, just slapping those hands together, standing ovation. You're doing the we're not worthy. I mean, it's very much appreciated. Brings a single tear to the eye rolling down the left cheek. Vickers was uh, gone for uh, about a week. Got a good little sojourn off to Amsterdam and Belgium. Belgium, that's awesome. Good to have you back. Glad you could uh, get away for a special little trip yeah. with you and your wife. So happy to have you back. Happy you guys had a great time. Um, so here's, here's how I will start the hour with a very blanket statement. And I mean this in the most positive and endearing way. But uh, Chris Tanev is an absolute maniac. <laughs> this guy just blocked a shot with his face in the third period of Monday's win over the Vegas Golden Knights. And there he is, back on the ice, Wednesday morning, on his regular pairing with Noah Hannafin, taking part in full. There he is, talking to us idiots in the media right after practice. And again, I ask this in the most positive, glowing, endearing way possible the hell is wrong with this guy <laughs> like th- this just just listen to tanev talk about the situation this was him in the locker room following wednesday's practice this is a gentleman who just blocked a shot with his face and not for the first time in his career this is uh chris tanev speaking to us after practice on wednesday when you when you look back at the replay do you realize or do you say to yourself oh i didn't time that properly or could nothing have been done you're just the guy who's going to throw your body blurb um, probably not the smartest play to do that, but I mean, it was the only way I was going to get in front of the puck because I was coming across the net from, from that way. So yeah, when you look back at it, probably not the smartest play to do, but, um, thankfully, uh, I just got cut and, and nothing else to be honest. So. This, this is something though you've done your whole career. Do you ever the next day say, God, I got to stop doing that? I don't know. You might say it once, and then once you're in the game, you're not thinking, right? It's a uh, it's a bang bang play, and just just trying to do what uh, whatever it takes to to not get scored on. So, do you even see the puck coming to you at that? Like, it's so quick, but do, do you actually see it going to your face and think, "Oh dear Lord"? I don't know. No, I mean it. it, it they shoot it pretty quick. So, um, I was just trying to get in the lane, and it happened to hit me uh, right in the chin there. What what goes into to that? Like, are you trying to block it with like a different part of your body? Like, like just try to block the shot. I mean, it, there's 
it's either he's going to have an open look or I'm going to try to block the shot. It's not like there's not enough time to go, okay, I'm going to go like this and slide that way. And it happens quick and get hit in the face once in a while. Do you feel? <laughs> get yeah, hit I just in the get face, hit in once, the face once in a while. No big deal. Um, I, uh, I love it. And again, I, I say that totally tongue in cheek yeah. when I say what is wrong with this guy, but I say it in the fact like this is a human being wired differently, not just than Vix and me and you listening, but wired differently than most NHL players. And imagine having that guy, imagine being an, uh, on an NHL team, imagine being on your own beer league team, but imagine being on an NHL team where you get paid to win and the only thing that truly matters is winning and you've got this guy who is willing to throw himself in front of 105 mile an hour pieces of vulcanized rubber with no disregard no no regard rather total disregard and no regard for his body and not just his legs and his arms and his he blocked a shot with his chin went off the ice Got stitched up, didn't get a chance to uh, watch the end of that game against Vegas. Had the day off on Tuesday. Whatever. R&R a little bit, back on the ice, practice on Wednesday. Didn't even hold him out of the media. He was good to come and chat with us. Imagine having that guy go to battle with you every single night. And I just can't imagine what being his teammate would be like. And I can't imagine just like, how easy that guy would be to be like, well, this guy, if he's doing that. I'm willing to do whatever I'm, I, I'm capable of doing. Like what, what a guy to have as a teammate. It's, it's uh, pretty neat to see. I'm happy. He's fine. I'm happy that, you know, it was only 12 stitches and that's all he needed. Goodness gracious. Dozen zippers listening to the radio broadcast while he's getting stitched up just so he can keep tabs on the game. And you're right. And he's, he was hilarious today for me. I don't know how humorous you found him. But no, not the smartest. And Eric Francis, Sportsnet colleague, asked, you know, do you ever worry about taking one in the tooth? Well, no, I could actually get rid of that thing if I... It'd be better. Yeah, he goes, yeah, you know what? It'd actually be good if I could get rid of the snaggle tooth is what he says. But yeah, you're right. And in that scrum, I, I had to ask him, I'm like... You ever played goalie growing up? Like, you know, where I was does this gonna, come from? I was going to keep that in there, but the background noise uh, just... Uh, there were puppies in the dressing yeah, room. It's say, understandable. Just for just for a little bit of uh, context, today was puppy day at the Dome, which, hey, media guys, could you move <laughs> the hell out of the way? Like, literally, I was we're, standing there trying to get into the locker room, and there's this massive backup because Salam and Julian are blocking the entire way trying to... T- like, no, the puppies are for the players. Move your asses. I will say this. Reporters are human just like anybody else. You have four or five puppies in a dressing room. They're not it's for It's going to happen. Puppies are for everyone, Patrick. You'll never convince me otherwise. Anyways, ask Tanner, like, do you ever play goal? Like, where? You're like, not allowed why, to hit. Why do you feel the need to get in front of every single shot coming your way? He's like, oh, yeah, I played it for a summer. That's it, though. Still feels the need to get in front of every, Like, if I'm Jacob Markstrom or Dan Vladar, as it was on Monday night, I'd just be like, hey, guy, I, I got this one. And I know you don't know whether or not I've got it. I don't particularly know whether or not I've got it. But my blocker is a heck of a lot different than your chin. 
Yeah, there's a little so bit more protection with your... Let's just go with the $2,000 blocker as opposed to... You don't need to bail me out every single time. You know, I, as I, as I, I'm going to play a couple more pieces of audio here on Tanev in a second, but as we talk about this, um, Tanev reminds me like the opposite of James Neal. And what I mean by that is, remember when James Neal put like 10K into his mouth? And oh, yeah. He, his one season in Calgary, and he, he had just had like... Significant, um, significant dental work done, and he's like, "Yeah, I just uh, don't. I don't want to talk about it too much. It's gonna jinx it, and I don't want to, you know, because I've I've had this happen before where I put a ton of money into my mouth, and then all of a sudden a puck hits it, and bam, it's completely ruined. Literally, the next game he took a puck to the chops and." (laughs) And ten is that the like, old Steinberg jinx? Maybe it wasn't me. Okay, I, I, didn't, okay. I never asked him about. I just remember him saying this in the locker room. And uh, Tanev's the opposite. He's oh like, yeah, yeah. Do you see how I play the game? I don't need to do the dental work until my career's yeah. Done. Until he signs off on those retirement players exactly. papers, you do not invest a nickel into that mouth again. Just took a puck off the chin. Here's uh, Jacob Markstrom, who was watching that game, as he said, in the fetal position on Monday because he was sick, but he watched the whole game. Uh, Jacob was also quite humorous today. I was watching the game in the fetal position, uh, and uh, this was Jacob talking about seeing Chris Tanev block a shot with his chin. My stomach hurts, to be honest. It's, you know, I've seen it for over a decade, and, you know, the how selfless he is and you know every time that stuff happens you know I ask him what he's doing and he's like yeah I didn't plan that well and then you ask him how he's doing and he says it's good so but but yeah it's that was scary and but you know I I haven't I haven't met a tougher human being than him uh, in my lifetime so he's uh, you know he's the ultimate teammate and sacrifices his body and what you know whatever it takes and it gives the team energy yeah you know what Take more shots off your face and give it. That's not what Jacob was saying. But honestly, I don't know if I have ever or will see a, a, just a straight up tougher guy. When I say tough, I mean ability to grin and bear it, grit and bear it, and be able to play through. So when he leaves the ice, you know that he's hurt. And when he doesn't play a game, you know that there's something that is too painful to be able to play through because he plays through any, when they use the term warrior, I don't know if there's a better definition than the way Chris Tanev goes about his business. I I give the guy a ton of credit when he played through that, when he took that Pierre-Luc Dubois hit in a game against the Winnipeg Jets in the 56 game pandemic season, uh, was, there, there must have been about, I don't know, 12 games remaining or 14 games remaining. He left the game, came back in the same game and finished. That same injury that he sustained, kind of a cartilage issue in your sternum, is one of the most, apparently, I've never had it happen to me. Uh, but oh, I thought you were speaking is, from experience. No, here. no, no, okay. just talking to other guys. Apparently one of the most painful injuries that you can play through. Like you're able to play through it if you can sustain the pain. And I won't. I'm not trying to say that other players are soft because of it, because to be in the NHL, you just can't be soft with what goes on. I don't care how soft you think player A or B is, they're more metal than you are because they're on the ice playing and and uh, 
pucks are zinging by him at 100 miles an hour. They put themselves in more harm's way than a lot of other people. Now, for, for you people who are, are police officers, are military uh, personnel, are, are people doing dangerous jobs, notwithstanding, we thank you as well. Um, but, you know. The regular, the regular. Definitely more like metal us, than me. Like you and I is day to day with a hangnail. Exactly. Um, our firefighters, you know, the 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 paramedics, the people who put themselves in harm's way. First responders, yeah. They, they exactly they are taken out of this conversation. Um, and even there's some dangerous jobs, underwater welding stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just don't want to piss anybody off. But Travis Hamannick had the same injury as Chris Tanev, and it kept him out like a month. And Travis Hamannick was tough as nails. And Chris Tanev didn't miss a game. He was even Probably playing sh- well, those should've. four yeah. meaningless games at the end of the season against Vancouver. He was playing in them. That's why I say he got, is, he got to 56 that year, right? Guy? He went 100% on the uh, games played in that uh, 56 game season, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't, that? He, didn't he go the whole I believe he did. The yep. whole season, I think. And that was a source of pride for Chris Tanev because the narrative. Even before he got to Calgary, when he was with the Vancouver Canucks, he said, oh, he's always injured, and you know, yada, yada. well, no, this guy. And then well, he this played, the following season, played all 82. Yeah. And did get hurt in the playoffs, but still came back and was able to play through a dislocated shoulder. On the yeah, block, What is wrong with this guy? On the block shots front, because he told us, well, he didn't really even start blocking shots until Torts showed up in Vancouver, John Tortorello. That was a 13-14 season. So since the start of the 13-14 season... He's eighth in the NHL in block shots with 1,361. That's 6.14 block shots per 60 minutes on the ice. Hmm. That is a bruise every 10 minutes (laughs) that you did not previously had. Since joining the Flames in 2020-21, first in block shots, of course, 447 in 225 games. Rasmus Anderson second with 368. Noah Hannafin third with 282. So just to give you a hint... Between the number three guy in Noah Hannafin at 282, you've got over, almost 200 more from Chris Tanev in six fewer games. Uh, this is Ryan Huska talking about, I, I asked him after practice, now that you know he's okay, what's it like watching what happened on Monday? A lot of concern to start with. Um, you know, And then you see him after the game and you realize that, okay, he's, he's going to be okay. Now it's the extent of his injury. Um, and... For whatever reason, he's he's in pretty good shape, and it's weird to me. But um, you know, the, there's a, the way he plays the game. Um, he's got total disregard for his own body for the betterment of his team. And if you had everybody on your group that had a little bit of what he's got, whew, like he's he's that important of a person in, in our locker room. So you never want to see a guy try to block a shot with his face, but that's Chris. Um, and he's got tons of respect in the room because of how he plays the game. Do you expect he's good to go for tomorrow? As of now, I mean, I haven't talked to Kent afterwards to see how he's responded and all that stuff, but um, he's looking pretty good. How many games would you miss <laughs> if you took a shot to the chin? Not not a Steinberg muffin shot. I'm talking about an NHLer shot. Like a Carlson shot? Like Chris Tanev? Almost eight? Yes. Um, hmm. well, I don't have the prettiest face to start with, so I'm not worried about the aesthetic. No, no, no. So I, I come just, back, just, but I would say the... I'd probably, like Jacob Markstrom, I'd be in the fetal position, <laughs> and I probably wouldn't. I'd, I'd be in the hospital right now. I mean, I'd just retire. My career would be I, I wouldn't go that far. No, I would. But I might play the rest of my career with a cage. And let me, let me ask you this. If you're 
any one of the 17 other guys, either on the ice or on the bench, to see that happen to Chris Tanev, how are you going to go, ah, you know what, maybe I don't have an extra 10% to give today. What this- and that's what Ryan Huska is saying. And then you have a guy like that leading the way in the way that Chris Tanev leads. You better, uh, you better find that extra 10%, dig deep, and, and do what you can to contribute to a win like Chris Tanev did. I know he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, and I know he might not be back next season, and he might not even finish the year with the Flames. But if that ends up being the case, if he's dealt between now and the trade deadline, or if he signs elsewhere in the summer, I just as a Flames fan, um, I don't know how you can't just tip your hat, give an air handshake, and say, damn, that was four... Really good years because not just like we're we're kind of building him up as a Chuck Norris like figure here. I mean, with, not wrong if the if the skate fits, but he's also been a damn good defenseman. There, he is their number one shutdown guy. There may not be a better player on the team under pressure, uh, and and who makes better decisions under pressure. I just I just remember being up there watching games and looking at Labardius once or twice a game, we just look at each other and it would be just because Chris Tanev would make a very subtle pivot behind the net. And that subtle pivot would allow him that extra inch to get a backhand pass across the crease onto a forward stick or his D partner stick. And that would allow them to exit the zone or he'd like, he does these spinoramas in the defensive zone that you don't really ooh and ah about because they're not, they don't lead to goals, but they lead to goals and shots not going in your net or on your net because I don't think there's a better guy skating pucks out of trouble or passing pucks out of trouble on the team. He is, he, he helps this team in a very, very large way win hockey games. And so on top of the warrior stuff, he's just been a damn good player. And, and so I put him up with Coleman as, you take a look at UFA signings for this team, absolute home runs. I think Coleman has been a home run since he signed and will continue to be. And as we're into the final year of this four-year deal for Chris Tanev, same thing, straight up out of the park. Brad Tree Living nailed that one. He has given them great value on that contract at four and a half. He's been a great flame. And I think if they do decide to trade him, I think they will get a great return for him for a team that is looking to up their blue line depth and take it to the next level to try to win a cup. And if they don't trade him and he walks away, you tip your hat and say, damn, you were a good flame. And if he resigns, you say, all right, we get to keep talking about this. Refresh my memory because yours is sharper than mine. Chris Tanev came in the same summer. TJ Brody correct. went to Toronto. Literally, correct? literally, literally we're like same day or to one other. So when that happened, I looked at it as a, oh, it's a, consider it a hockey trade if you're going one for one here and you're trading TJ Brody for Chris Tanev, because essentially that's what you did for your lineup. And I went, oh, I don't know if I like that for the Calgary Flames. And then Chris Tanev gets here and you get the opportunity to see him day in, day out. And sure, he'd play in Vancouver and he'd come two, three, four times a year, season in, season out. But until you get to watch Chris Tanev day in, day out, I don't think you truly get to appreciate what he brings to a team. And not just the shot blocks, not just the warrior mentality, not just even the subtle plays in the defensive zone to break out outlets like you said. But for me, he's the guy on the Calgary Flames blue line currently. And for the duration that he's been here, 
that has been able to elevate his partner the most, regardless of who that partner is. For me, he's very much the Michael Backlund of the defense where you need to fix somebody, put him with Chris Tanev. You need to fix somebody, put him with Michael Backlund. If you need to elevate the play of somebody that's already near or at top of the peak, put him with Chris Tanev, security blanket them. He's just that good in terms of providing that role for the team. And then again, of course, you have the warrior. You have the just sheer battle level of his. And and as you mentioned, he's their best pure shutdown defenseman. Hindsight being what it is. Yeah, yeah you make that move. You make that hypothetical trade all day, every day if you're the Calgary Flames. Uh, a few texts. 960-960. Matt and Cochran asks, how did Vancouver let this guy walk? Just madness going on over there under Jimbo Benning. Remember how good Tanev was in the 2020 playoffs for them as well? Like, yeah, I, I still, I got why they let Markstrom walk and why that couldn't get done because they had another guy that you're like, okay. You had Demko in the wings. You've got another elite goaltender there. So you can And understand. it was the expansion draft coming up. So you exactly. were going to end up losing one of them at some point. So that one you can understand. I, I've never quite wrapped my head around the Tanev Well, especially one. after the job Tanev did with Quinn Hughes as a rookie. 100%. And I will forever give Tori Peterson a round of applause for the trolling every time they show a picture of him. And they just say, our guy. Cool. I love it. It gets under the skin of Canucks fans every single time. Just great underrated troll work from Flames Admin on their Twitter account. Uh, this says they should trade Tanev at the deadline, then re-sign him in the offseason. Win-win. Uh, Pat, you'd have enough tears flowing for the Zamboni <laughs> to clean the sheet if you took one in the shop chops. No, I don't think I would cry because I would be out cold and I would, I would. That's probably... the other thing. How's your chin? Like, could you take a punch? No, because that puck no, might cannot. knock out a lot of people. I've been punched once in my life Just and once? hopefully that's enough. No, I'm not from the mean street to GP from the mean, the, hey, all the, of, all the of... relatively quiet, um, very friendly neighborhood streets of Highwood, Calgary. All my punches happened on the ice except for a grade three fight. No, nope, grade was four. Also a grade grade four. Mine was grade four, and I fought with a broken right hand, and I'm right-handed. Devin Lucas got me right in the eye, and uh, I saw it was. I, I you see the stars? Was like, I saw the stars. Nice. And I was like, yeah, I'm never getting punched again. I, I don't really want to. Um, this says I'd miss all of existence after that. That's kind of where I am. I don't think I would have a chance to cry because I just. I just, I don't want to be around anymore. That's what I'd say. <laughs> Great drop. Um, I think the Flames should re-sign Tanev and Lindholm if possible. This says, has anyone checked in on the puck that hit Tanev's I was going to say. To make sure it's okay. When so you dropped the right Chuck here. Norris reference, I was going to be, has anybody checked that's on the puck? I got, that's where oh, I got okay. the, that text. I saw it from Stu and Red Deer earlier. I'm like, oh, it's a good Chuck Norris reference. Yeah. Um, Pat, it's obvious by now. Tanev's clearly the T-1000 from Terminator 2 takes shots to the chest, his face, and he doesn't stop, just gets slowed down momentarily. Was That's that uh, Nacladdle that took the high stick or the puck in the eye about five years yes. ago? I look like Terminator. Nacladdle. Longer than that. That's got to be a decade ago. Is it that long? I don't know, man. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, I love those answers from Tanev. What a warrior. That's from Mike and Thorncliffe. Uh, after watching Tanev block a shot with his face, I ponder who wouldn't want a guy like this on their team, says uh, one text. So there's just a few of the response uh, responses at 960-960. It is Pat and Vickers along with you this hour on Flames Talk. 
Good to have Vickers back on Twitter at AA Vickers. Good to have him back on this side of the Atlantic, although it looks like a pretty cool trip. Uh, so it's good to have you back. Uh, we are coming at you this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time now for our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Steinberg, Aaron Vickers, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. Um, gents, we got into uh, some of these things a little bit on Tuesday's show. Um, and I, I guess I wanted to continue because we do have two, ga- two days between games. Wanted to continue looking back, first quarter of the season. Um, we talked yesterday, we, we went through who's the, been the best player for the Flames through the first quarter and just our overall takeaways of the first 22 games of the season. Um, then on the other side, gents, what's the biggest concern for you as the Flames move into their final 60 games here? Pat, sometimes you ask difficult questions. This, this is not one, one of, of those no, times. I, I didn't think it would be. <laughs> and I, I feel like we're all going to have the same answer here. Uh, for me, it's the power play. I mean, their five-on-five game has come a long way. They look so much more organized in the defensive zone. They've been a lot better through the neutral zone. They've looked a lot more creative and dangerous in the offensive zone. But their power play is at 11.3%. That is the sixth worst power play percentage in the National Hockey League. And if they're going to get to where they want to go, and right now the goal is to, to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs and try to do some damage once you get there, they're going to have to get the power play going because I feel like teams aren't afraid to take penalties against them because they've struggled so much with the man advantage. So for me, it's an easy one, guys. Uh, It's the power play. I'm going to pivot a different direction just for the sake of being different. I mean, don't get me wrong. The power play is incredibly alarming, and I think it's second last in the NHL over the course of the last month or so, maybe second only to the Washington Capitals who are sitting at zero. So definitely a reason to be alarmed if you're the Calgary Flames when it comes to the man advantage front. But I'm still going to go back to Jonathan Huberdeau, who has played better of late. Certainly, I think we'd all agree that. But at the same time, 15 goals, 48 points, $10.5 million, eight years, $84 million. Still concerning that your highest paid player, your offensive play driver, so on and so forth, is starting to trend more into the direction of not being all those things. We've got a hundred game sample size now of Jonathan Huberto as a member of the Calgary Flames, and he's played at somewhat similar of this pace in terms of his production, both goals and points. And when you've invested as much as you have as the Calgary Flames have in Jonathan Huberto, I don't know how you're anything but concerned at the fact that he is not going to crack 20 goals and is going to be pushing 50. He's really got to pick up the pace to get to 60 points again this season. And to me, that's incredibly concerning. Again, I've liked the fit with Backlund and Coleman. I think that line has been effective from what I've seen. And granted, I did miss all of last week, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on that front. I didn't manage to catch much of the Calgary Flames live when being over in Europe. But at the same time, Jonathan Huberto is paid like a top 10 or top 15 player. And as it stands, 
he's not producing at a point per game pace even and to me that's a that's a little alarming right now yeah and and you know what guys those would be the two for me um the the power play yeah it look i I, I'm not. I'm not going to hold my breath that it turns into an elite power play. That it turns into uh, a power play that we're talking about is one of the most dangerous in the NHL. I just think we've seen enough time going back to last season as well that they probably right now don't have the type of personnel to have a, a top flight power play, top ten power play, high end power play in this league. But at the very least. You need it to be one of those things that can help swing the momentum of a hockey game and and once in a while score an important goal for you, which it just hasn't done on a regular basis, basically all season and and certainly in the month of November. So, yeah, I mean, the power play would be the number one thing for me. And then on the Huberdo front, guys, because those would be the two. The, the, the fact that Jonathan Huberdo's points pace is below what it was last year is and do you, not to interrupt. Do you remember uh, just before I left uh, for the trip or a week prior to that, he was on pace for 39. Yeah. So he's actually picked up it, his it production significantly. Up. And and he has, I think Derek, you, you would wholeheartedly agree that his overall game has, has definitely taken a turn for the better as has his offensive game. But you know, I, it, it was Wes who made the point earlier this week when we were having this conversation and you know, you almost wonder if, we're starting to see because now we're more than a hundred games into Jonathan Huberto's tenure as a member of the flames. Are we starting to see Huberto turn into a different player? Like, will we, will we ever see Jonathan Huberto be the offensive driver and the high end elite offensive talent that maybe the flames thought they were getting when they acquired him? And I don't know if the answer is yes or no, but you take a look at the way that he's been playing on the backland line. It's been more of a 200 foot game. We've talked a lot about some of the, the work he's done in the defensive zone. Um, This is not a team that just innately has a lot of uh, high octane offensive moments, which also I think takes away from the type of production we see from Jonathan. Like, are, are we talking about a guy who is turning more into an all-round forward as opposed to a real high-end offensive producer? I, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think more than 100 games in, it's fair to ask, especially now that he's over the age of 30. So I just th- th- these are the two things that I think would top most people's lists, power play and Huberto's offense and, and overall production in terms of the concerns going into the final three quarters of the season. Yeah, as far as the power play, I mean, I believe they're now 0 for their last 15 and 1 for their last 33. So if they're not at rock bottom, they've got to be pretty close. And I actually think in two of the last three games, their power play has looked dangerous. So maybe that's a step in the right direction. And getting some chances will soon turn into getting goals. And teams can be streaky on both sides of special teams. So let's cross our fingers and hope that happens. As far as Jonathan Huberto, I think him playing a 200-foot game or more of a 200-foot game right now could be a good way for him to reset and get back to the basics and focus on the fundamentals. And maybe playing with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman, who are both terrific 200-foot players, uh, will just give him a different outlook and uh, a different way to approach the game. And I'm not saying that he's ever going to be 
uh, one of the best 200 foot forwards in the NHL. I don't think that's who he is, but you know, maybe focusing on different things right now can get him back to who he's been throughout the course of his career. And it's one of the elite playmakers in the NHL. And I'm not ready to close the book on Jonathan Huberdeau because I feel like much like the team, his game is building right now. And yeah, he'll take two steps forward and then one step back. But I do think that his game is trending in the right direction. And uh, at some point in time, I would actually be surprised if we didn't see him playing on the left side of either Elias Lindholm or Nazem Kadri again, because uh, on paper, I just I don't think Michael Backlund's the perfect fit for him. But on the ice, he's played his best hockey of the season playing with Backlund and Coleman. So uh, this is a team right now that has kind of turned a corner. And, and Jonathan Huberdeau has been a part of that. And uh, if they can get the power play to be a part of that, <laughs> they're going to be even better off. It is our Daily Flames Roundtable. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg on this Wednesday edition of Flames Talk. Um, Okay, now let's look ahead. And uh, the Flames are now down to 13 games between now and the Christmas break. And, you know, we've talked a lot about this 15-game stretch where it started with the game against Dallas on Friday night, that 7-4 win, where they played... You know, 15 games where the vast majority of them are against pretty top-tier opponents. Still got another game with Colorado, another game with Vegas. They got Dallas coming up on Thursday. Like They've got some some pretty top-tier opponents. And so seeing them play against the Stars and seeing them play against Colorado and then seeing them Monday against Vegas, I, I wonder, guys, like, could this be a good thing? Is Is a stretch like this where they're trying to solidify themselves back in the playoff mix and not fall out of it and and not fall out of where they are right now. Like, could this be a stretch that has the potential to bring out the best in the group? It's going to have to. I mean, with the position they're in, uh, they're going to have to be really good between now and the Christmas break to be in a good spot heading into 2024. But I do think that this could potentially be a blessing in disguise for the Flames, Pat, because in my opinion, over the last couple of years, this is a Flames team that at times has played up to their competition, but also down to their competition. Uh, It's almost like they don't get as geared up for games uh, against teams below them in the standings or, you know, not high in the standings as they do for uh, some of the top teams in the league. And Ryan Husk actually talked a little bit about that today. And I'm paraphrasing, but the Flames head coach said something along the lines of, you know, when you go into games against the teams like the Stars and the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, and and those are the last three games the Flames have played, uh, you know you have to be at your best because if you're not, you're probably going to get your butts kicked or you're not going to get the right results. So uh, I do think that this is a really important stretch. They're off to a good start uh, on this stretch. You you look at their first game against the Stars. I know they lost 4-3. But I thought they were the better of the two teams in two of the three periods that night. And with the way they played in the third period of that game, we're unlucky not to get a point or two. And then they battle back and win their second game against the Stars. They play a good game against the Avalanche. Uh, for me, that was one of those 50-50 games that could have gone either way. And then they play what I think was probably their best game of the season against the defending Stanley Cup champion Golden Knights uh, their last time out. So... Uh, They've played some of their best hockey against some of the best teams in the league, and uh, that trend's going to have to continue with uh, this tough stretch between now and Christmas. Yeah, I'm going to echo some of those comments. I think it's a good thing for the Calgary Flames, and we've seen during parts of this stretch the Calgary Flames put together some really good results. And to be quite honest, they worked themselves a little bit behind the eight ball to a degree with the start that they had, and then 
last 12 game stretch they played at 667 point percentage so now you're starting to stack up Colorado Dallas Vegas Dallas again Vancouver who's had a heck of a start to the season you've got the Carolina Hurricanes New Jersey Devils the Avalanche and uh, Golden Knights again so this stretch is going to tell Craig Conroy it's going to tell Ryan Huskin it's going to tell the collective Calgary Flames a lot about what the team is both Results aside, you're just going to discover a lot about the battle level, the compete level, the belief that the players themselves have in themselves and the, the team as a whole, because I don't think through a quarter of the season, we're unanimous on what the Calgary Flames are to this point and what direction they should necessarily be heading. I know a lot of people will, will go, okay, well, if they can sustain this 667 points percentage, which I don't think is necessarily reasonable, well, they might have a real good shot at um, getting into a playoff spot and, and running from there. And the flip side is, well, they should be tearing it down. They've got four pending unrestricted free agents. So I think a stretch like this helps clear the muddy waters as to what the Calgary Flames are through the first quarter of the season. And testing yourself against elite competition, what better way to do it? I do think by the time that the new year rolls around, we'll know exactly what this Calgary Flames team is. And to get there, for better or worse, I should say, what the Calgary Flames are. And to get there, you're going to have to go through some elite teams. Yeah, and I mean, I I, uh, I just, I take a look at some of the games the Flames have played where we walk away and say, geez, they were, they were not great. I mean, you have that Columbus game in Columbus, which was just an absolute stinker. Uh, the game they played against Ottawa was not very good. I know they beat Montreal, but they were not very good that night. That loss in Nashville. In the games where you've come away saying, geez, this team was awful that night have not been against the good teams. And I would say that every game they've played that you'd say, Joe, oh, they, they look like a, no, they, they really played hard. That was close to a 60 minute effort. They were, they were a really strong team. They've all been against some of those top tier groups, whether it's Vegas or Colorado, Dallas twice. Um, you know, the, the, the games that they have played some of their best hockey in, I feel have come against teams that you would put, in that upper echelon of the league. And then I think it goes right back to what you're saying, Willsey, about, yeah, you, you kind of have to get yourself up for it. Um, and so, or even the game they played against Vancouver the last time they played was was in that category. So that's why it just got me thinking. I was thinking about it coming out of the Vegas game, especially where, you know, they battled through cement legs and battled through the fifth game in eight nights, which, you know, you talk to anybody, that is an absolute grind sometimes. And mm-hmm. they played a really solid game against the Golden Knights team that, yes, is struggling um, for, for their standards, but they played really well. Start to finish in that game, found a way, and eventually won it in overtime. And we're full marks for it. And and so, yeah, I, I think there's a potential that, you know, having these games and really good opponents in their building and in your building absolutely has the potential to maybe bring out some of the best for the Flames in this stretch. The only pitfall there is that, don't let it go the other way. And a lot of times in recent years, they have uh, against mm-hmm. some teams that are below them in the standings. Yeah. And they're not trending in that direction and maybe they'll start the trend in that direction. But uh, right now that's not uh, where they're headed based on how they've been playing. And for me, guys, you can throw October out. Uh, the flames, unfortunately can't throw it out. It was a tough month for them, but November started with that four three loss to the stars that I talked about earlier. And that was a good game for the Flames. And sometimes when you're on a long losing streak, you've got to play one or two good games before you find a way to win one. And 
uh, that felt like a stepping stone for me. And they've been a good team ever since then. Uh, yeah, they've had some tough losses. Uh, didn't like how they played, certainly in the third period of that game against the Senators. Didn't like how they played against the Predators. But beyond that, they've been a pretty good team for the most part. They beat the teams that they uh, should be beating. And they've found a way to at least pick up some points and teams that are considered to be better than them. You know, even that 5-4 shootout loss to the Maple Leafs, that was a game the Flames definitely could have won. So uh, the team's trending right now, which is a good thing, but uh, because uh, they didn't really uh, give themselves much breathing room with a 2-7-1 start to the season, this is kind of how they have to be moving forward here. I'm not saying they've got to be, you know, a 650 winning percentage or point percentage for the rest of the season, but they're going to have to be well above 500 in the win-loss column to get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to convince Craig Conroy not to rebuild or retool, I suspect. Uh, I don't know what direction the organization is going to go in. You know, it's not all on the team. Uh, Their pending UFAs uh, have a decision to make potentially as well. So, yeah, the next uh, stretch of games, uh, it should be fun with the way the team is playing. And uh, back to the power play. If they can get that power play going, I feel like they're going to have to with some of the tough games they've got coming up. Because as I've said uh, prior to the last couple of broadcasts, fellas, if you're going to beat some of the best teams in the league, you, you pro- probably have to at least break even in the special teams battle uh, if, if you don't win it. But losing it is, I don't think, going to be a recipe for success against teams like the Stars. So uh, let's hope that uh, a couple of promising games in the power play, despite the fact that they didn't score, is uh, an indication that they're ready to turn the corner with a man advantage. And if that doesn't happen, might be back to the drawing board. And uh, I do wonder if there are some other players either on the team or in the organization right now who could help the Flames in the power play if uh, the current group of guys uh, can't get the job done. I just want to touch on those splits a little bit, Willsie, because you talk about the 2-7-1 and one start. They scored on average 2.2 goals a game and gave up 3.7. Certainly not a recipe to win. But over the last dozen games, since they ended that six-game losing streak, again, 7-3-2 and two for that 667 points percentage, 3.5 goals for 2.92 goals a game. So definitely a tale of two seasons for the Flames so far. And I can understand you throwing out the first 10 games of the season and that is an adjustment period you could chalk it up to that if whether or not you want to look at Ryan Huska and a new coach and a new defensive scheme and all that and and getting familiar and more comfortable as a team as a whole in playing that system it'll be the next 12 to 14 games the stretch that we talked about with this level of competition that's coming both to the saddle dome and a couple of short road trips that'll really in my opinion define yeah what the Calgary Flames are into the new year and what direction they'll go. As you mentioned, we don't know exactly what this team is yet, what direction they'll go for pending unrestricted free agents, influx of youth, the key moment, key time in the schedule for the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I, I think that one of the um, one of the things that I think we'll find out is whether or not the month of October, if we actually can say, no, no, that was just an adjustment period and now they are what they are. Um, and that what they are is better. Um, hopefully yeah. that is what this will end up being and that's what it will prove. But I think the month of December is going to help us determine whether or not that two, seven and one stretch in October was a lot of growing pains and adjustment and that we can actually say, no, you know what? We can throw that out. And this is a little bit closer to what they are. Let's see if they can prove that that would be the ideal for the organization. That's for sure. Yeah, and the team that we've watched in November is the team that I was expecting to watch this season. I didn't really realize it would be such a big adjustment for them going from 
Daryl Sutter to Ryan Hoska and from playing man-on-man in the defensive zone to, to zone. But, you know, when we had a chance to chat with the Flames head coach the other day, he told us that, you know, the NHL is a league where teams tend to follow trends. And the Flames aren't the only team that made that change in the defensive zone because a lot of teams are trying to mimic what the defending Stanley Cup champions did and continue to do to have success. And he pointed out that there are a number of teams that uh, made uh, changes to the defensive zone system that not only struggled to start the season, but continue to struggle to, to wrap their head around how they're playing in the D zone. And uh, offense starts in the defensive zone. We know that. So if you're not on the same page in the D zone, uh, good luck getting into the ozone where you have to, to do your damage. So uh, I like where the team's headed right now and uh, anxious to see if they can keep it going uh, in what should be an exciting game against the Stars. When you look at the last couple of season series between these two teams, fellas, what a departure from that seven-game playoff series where it was almost impossible to score on Jacob Markstrom and Jake Ottinger. All these two teams do is uh, score 10 a game between them in the last couple of years. So hoping for a fun one tomorrow night. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. We'll do it again on Thursday. Okay, guys. Have a good night. He's Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up this hour. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers as well. And that'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.